0: we are uh, at one of those uh, kind of in-between times in, in our, our preaching uh, we concluded our series let us pray on Easter Sunday morning last week uh, and uh, we are now preparing to embark on a new series we're going to be uh, preaching from the, uh, the letter of Paul to our pardon me the letter of Peter first Peter uh, just talking about the, how how the church can, uh, be encouraged through difficult times. Uh, and, and so as I, I prayed and thought about what I needed to share with you this morning uh, and kind of looked back over uh, past uh, messages, I, I was reminded that uh, for, for some time now, at the beginning of each year, we have taken uh, a few Sundays to talk about what it means to live uh, in a covenant community, uh, what it means to be a part of the church. Uh, And of course, we uh, we kind of gave a three-part outline to that. uh, Well, to answer that question, uh, that uh, that our involvement in this community uh, of faith uh, involves first of all our persistent participation, which means we come to church. uh, And and I just want you to look around you. Look around at all the empty chairs in the auditorium. Uh, There is no reason. All right, that all these chairs shouldn't be full this morning. Amen. And again, I, I know I'm preaching to those of you that are here. I'm preaching to those of you that are watching uh, from home. Uh, there are really no reasons why this auditorium should not be full of people. We had, we had more than 210 people in our communion service two weeks ago. Uh, in anticipation of what that might mean for our Easter Sunday service, we got in here and we actually put out additional seats. Uh, we've got more seats in the auditorium today than we've had in here uh, for quite some time. And let me just kind of share with you what uh, the pandemic uh, has, has done as far as our attendance. Before uh, the, the pandemic, we were running around 300, between 300 and 320 people each Sunday morning. Uh, currently, we average about 130. Um, there are many people who have not yet decided to come back to church and others who have decided to come back that just haven't made up their minds to really commit themselves to being here each uh, and every week. And I want to encourage you to do both. I want to encourage you, if you've not yet come back, come back. You can wear your mask if you need to. There are still some who wear their mask each and every Sunday and, and uh, that is quite all right with us. Uh, but come back to church. And then once you come back to church, commit to being here you know, faithfully, weekend, and week out. Let me tell you, when you're not here, this congregation suffers. Uh, we need you. We need your presence. We we need you to be here to encourage us. You need to be here so that we can encourage you. So that's one of the things that we have often talked about uh, at the beginning of a new year. This fact that we need to be here, gathered uh, in the name of Jesus. We've also talked about the fact that we need to each determine to be involved in some sacrificial service. Uh, And I would just say to you today, without going into great detail, uh, God has gifted you. If you are a Christian this morning, God has gifted you. uh, And and you have abilities, talents, uh, gifts that need to be employed uh, in the ministry of this church. And it will demand a sacrifice on your part. Um, You know, we ask our Sunday school teachers to be sure that they're here a little early uh, for Sunday school so that as our, our people arrive, especially our children, they, they arrive to classrooms where they are welcomed, greeted by a teacher that already has something prepared for them to do. Uh, service within the church demands a sacrifice. And yet, I believe that uh, that true satisfaction comes to those who are willing to make uh, that sacrifice uh, in their service to the church. The third area that we often talk about uh, is financial faithfulness. And, uh, and that's, the, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, you know, we are blessed. Uh, our giving has not decreased uh, in proportion to our attendance. And I'm very thankful that it hasn't. Uh, we have declined in our giving. There's no question about that. Uh, but we have not declined to the extent that our attendance has declined. And so for each of you who have continued to give faithfully through this pandemic, I just wanna say again this morning, I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for your faithfulness in this area. But I also am here this morning because I wanna encourage faithfulness in those perhaps who have not made that commitment uh, to give financially. And, and you know, here's the, here's the thing that I, I guess I would really like to say this morning. I believe that one of the primary hindrances to financial faithfulness is fear the very thing that we've been singing about all morning that should not exist in the Christian heart. Uh, We can live out what we believe because God has made us promises. We do live in a day of doubt and fear, do we not? We do. But we also live in a day, at least for the church, we have that one foundation, Jesus Christ. Uh, We don't have to live in fear. Again, I I believe many uh, do not give the way that they should, because of fear. People think that if they give in accordance with the teaching of scripture, that they just won't have enough left over to take care of their own personal needs. Those thoughts ever go through your mind? You know, if I give as, as the Bible says I should give it. And you know, this is one area of biblical teaching that is not difficult to grasp. Over and over and over again, and it's amazing to me, uh, throughout the the course of this last week as I looked through the scripture, uh, there is so much that we have been instructed, given, uh, in relationship to the way that we should handle the money that God entrusts to us. This is not an area where we should be the least bit foggy about what we should do. It's it's so clear, Uh, anyone can understand it. And again, as Neil shared a moment ago, belief is far more than simple intellectual understanding. Uh, It it extends beyond that. It it means living in light of what we know to be true. And and the sad reality is, is that many in the church simply choose not to live uh, in accordance with what we know to be true concerning how we are to to give in support of our church. So I want to read to you this morning, uh, and this is not the text that I'm going to be preaching from. If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to be looking at verse 2. That's the text I'm going to deal with. But I want to read what Jesus said to the fearful people of his day. You know, people have always been fearful, right? There has always been a fear, even within the people of God, to live in light of what they have come to take possession of. All right. God has given us new life in Jesus Christ. And that new life is not simply a life that we will one day enjoy in heaven. You know, I think that many Christians get that idea, that, that my salvation is something that took place in my past and, and has significant ramifications for my future. I'm, I'm now forgiven, and I have a place in heaven, and one day when I die, I will go to live with the Lord Forever, But let me tell you, our salvation is all about what goes on right now. God has called us to live a life that is in keeping with what he has revealed to us in Scripture. But people have always been fearful to do that, and fearful in this area of financial faithfulness. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, beginning in verse 19, Jesus says to the people of his day, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus kind of begins this line of thinking with this instruction That for those of us who have come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, we are to invest our money in heavenly things, in eternal things. And that's a a dramatic change for us. And by the way, you know that that your life in Christ has brought about dramatic change, right? Uh, I mean, you are no longer even the same person that you were before you came to know Christ. According to Scripture, you're a new creation, In Christ, the old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Uh, The way that we think about money has been changed forever uh, and is being transformed daily as we open ourselves up to the truth of Scripture. So the place that we are to, the primary place that we are to invest our money is not in this world. Not in worldly goods, but in what Jesus called treasures in heaven, uh, eternal things. So don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven. And, And because we can do that, he says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, don't be fearful. About what I'm saying to you. That's what he's, what's he's, what he's saying here. Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Uh, is not life more than food and body more? Than clothing, You see, people in Jesus' day were afraid of the same things that we're afraid of. If I give in accordance with Scripture, if I truly determine that I'm going to no longer lay up treasures here on earth, but I'm going to begin to lay up treasure in heaven, that may mean I don't have enough to eat or even proper clothing to wear or an appropriate place to live. Jesus said, don't, don't worry about those things. Don't be fearful about that. He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? He says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? In other words, what possible benefit comes from fear? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be, how many times has he told us not to be anxious, not to be fearful? Over and over and over, it's the theme of this text. Therefore do not be anxious, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles, the non-believers, the pagans, those who do not trust God. The Gentiles seek after all these things, food, drink, clothing, He says, and your heavenly father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Lord makes us this wonderful promise. We do not have to live our lives in fear. We can live in bold obedience to the word of God in every area of life. We can commit ourselves to faithfully attending worship along with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can faithfully commit to giving as the Lord has instructed us to give, as we're going to see in just a moment. We don't have to worry about not having enough for ourselves. You know, over the years, one of the things that I have learned is that perhaps the most faithful givers in this church have been the people who had the least to give. It is amazing to me how over the years, men and women who live on very little and often a very small fixed income are the most faithful. I mean, I'm thinking of names right now that are going through my head. I would often look at their offering envelope and think to myself, how in the world? How in the world can they do this? Well, it's because they had... Learn to trust the Lord Jesus and His promises. They, their faith had overcome any fear that they might have in giving, and, and our faith will, will do the same. We do not have to live in fear, church. So if you're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I want to read verses 1 and 2. You'll see verse 2 up on the screen, I believe. That's where we're going to really focus our attention this morning. Of course, Paul is writing to the rich Corinthian church. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 16, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. And here's what we're to do. On the first day of each week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. One verse, simple, easy to understand, and I believe it gives us at least four fundamentals of financial faithfulness. Let me pray with you and we'll we'll look at these together. Father, we are so thankful today for your word. And thankful, Father, that in your word we find promises that remind us that there is no reason for us to live in fear. Uh, again, we can live lives of bold obedience, bold, committed faithfulness. Lord, we do not have to be intimidated by the world around us that will, often, uh, that will often view our practices as outdated, old-fashioned unreasonable, illogical. Father, we can know that because of what you have said to us, uh, Lord, that we can live in light of that. Lord, we can be a people whose lives are characterized by belief, faith in you, uh, and not by fear. Uh, So, Lord, open our hearts today to the words that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And Lord, I pray that even for those of us who might believe uh, that we are giving in full accordance to your word, that you might, you might speak some word to our heart today. Show us what more there is for us to do, what more we can do. Father, for others who, uh, for whatever reason, have simply not engaged in financial faithfulness in accordance with scripture. And, and again, Father, those who are living in obedience, disobedience to your word. I, I pray today you would, you would help us to repent, uh, to believe, to live in light of the truth that we find so prevalent uh, in scripture. So Lord, just open our hearts to these truths and we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name, amen. Giving, again, it's a simple matter. Uh, and, and I believe everybody that comes into church at least in their mind, they know something about giving. I can remember as a little boy, now I, I grew up in an unchurched home, uh, but I had neighbors that went to church. Uh, and I can remember my, my friend, uh, Chris, uh, he and his mother faithfully uh, went to church every Sunday. Uh, and, uh, and occasionally they would invite me to go. A- and, and I can remember going to church uh, and, and again, at some point in the service, the offering plates would be passed. And you know what? Even as a small boy growing up in an unchurched family, I knew what was happening when those offering plates were being passed. People were placing money in those offering plates. People were giving to the Lord. Now, again, I don't know, uh, well, I'm quite certain that I don't have or didn't have the knowledge that I have now about, about giving to the Lord and what that, that giving was all about, but I did know that when you come to church, you come with an offering, you come with a gift, and, and I can remember, I don't remember, it must have been because my mother or my father made sure that I had a couple of quarters to drop in the offering plate, I always had money to drop in the offering plate. So you know, it's, it's hard for me sometimes, I have been told over the years, you know, people just don't know that they're supposed to give. That's difficult for me to believe. It's certainly difficult for me to believe that of you, that you don't know. We know. The question is, will we do what we know in order to be faithful in our financial stewardship? Uh, Paul says that our giving should be planned. He gives us some real specifics here. He says, on the first day of every week. In other words, every week, on the first day of the week. Again, on the Lord's Day, you need to set something aside. In other words, every week, and and let me just tell you, church, as you know, we have begun passing the offering plates again. Every week, we take a collection. Every week. And, And I've asked you over the years that there are three specific ways, and all of them are reflected on your offering envelopes. That you can give. Number one, I would ask that every week you give something toward the general budget of our church. We have ongoing bills. Uh, You would be amazed, uh, in spite of the, the, (laughs) the poor mail service that we've received since the pandemic started, how many bills we get every month. And everyone expects to be paid. You're giving, you're bringing an offering, a gift on the first day of the week, enables us to pay those bills on time. Uh, By the way, that's the way our bill collectors like it, on time. They want it on time. Uh, So on the first day of the week, giving to the church, I guess, is something that should occur regularly, Uh, not simply when one feels generous or led to give. I know there are times in our lives when we feel particularly generous. Uh, And I know that there are times when you will pray about a particular offering, perhaps a special offering, and and give as you feel led to give. But our giving to the church is something that should happen regularly, consistently. Uh, For some, that'll mean every week. For others, it may mean every month. Uh, Some people I know Bring their tithe in all in one big offering. And, you know, it's all okay as long as we have carefully thought through, planned our giving. And the reason it's so important that we plan our giving is this. If we don't plan our giving, we won't give as we should. One of the things that I know to be true, and I can say with absolute certainty, the reason that our giving is down is because our attendance is down. People give when they come to church, much more than when they don't come to church. And now that's a, that's a broad generalization, I will admit, and some people fall outside of that. There are exceptions to that. Some people give in spite of the fact that they can't be here. I, I mentioned some of these little ladies and men who live on fixed incomes who are no longer able to come to church, but they faithfully send those tithe checks or deliver them to the church. But in general, when people do not come to church, when they do not gather with their brothers and sisters, they don't give the way that they should. That's why it's so important that we come back to church. You need to be here to hear the needs, to be reminded of the ongoing responsibilities of this church, to be encouraged to plan your giving. Again, financial faithfulness requires thought on our part and discipline. In order to give in the way that the Bible says that we are to give, we have to set money aside. In other words, money that that we would ordinarily spend on something else, but we're not going to do that. We're going to give it to the church. We're going to give it to the Lord. Discipline. Putting off some of the things that we might want to do in order to do the thing that we really need to do. That's hard for us. And let me just tell you this, the ability to give something, to give to something that is eternal, is a gift of God's grace and a privilege, the kind of giving that we're talking about. When you give to the church, you're you're laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. When you go down and spend your money at the grocery store, uh, you're providing food for your family, and that's an important thing. But when you give to the church, you're laying up treasures in heaven. The ability to do that, to, to give to something that is eternal, again, is a, is a, well, it's a gift. It's a privilege. And therefore Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter eight verse seven, that we should excel in this grace also. Again, as we seek to live this life that God has given us in obedience to him, we want to be faithful in every area. We want to come to church. We want to serve. And and we should want to give. We should delight in our giving. So if you want to give in accordance with God's word, if you want to give faithfully, you have to plan your giving. Think about it. Discipline yourself. To do it. And then you should also realize that your giving is a, is, is a partnership. Um, the reality is, for any one of us, even, even the family, if I could designate a family that gives more to this church than anybody else in a given year, it, if it was just one of us giving, there would not be nearly enough to meet the needs of this church. But in partnership, together, We meet the needs of the church. Financial faithfulness involves every Christian. Look at what what Paul says there. On the first day of every week, each of you put something aside. Store it up. Financial faithfulness involves every Christian, each of you, each and every one of you. No one is exempted from this responsibility to give, and no one is prohibited from giving. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are several times in Scripture where, where people were to a certain degree hindered or prohibited from giving. And, and they they begged for the opportunity to give. Let me tell you, giving is for everyone in the church. The blessings that come to those who give are for everyone in the church, not just for the wealthy who can give great sums of money. They're for everyone. No one's prohibited from giving, no one exempted from giving. And Paul says, This about our giving. He says that it reveals the sincerity of our love. Now think about that for a moment. It is the love that we have for one another that reveals the genuineness of our faith, right? That we are truly Christ's disciples, isn't that what he said? And Paul says that our giving reflects the genuineness of our love. Do I really love the Lord? Then I'll give. Do I really love my brothers and sisters in Christ, my neighbor, as myself? It'll be reflected in my giving. We give in partnership. Paul also testifies that personal circumstances should not be used as an excuse. Now, again, we'll have ups and downs throughout our life as far as our financial situation, and and the Bible certainly understands and, and reflects that reality. Uh, And our giving may fluctuate through those times of up and down in the Bible. But according to what I read in Scripture, there is no set of circumstances that would excuse me from not giving. Uh, I was told a story very early on in my time here at Calvary Hill of a man who started a business. He was a member of this church, and he and his wife... Uh, had saved some money and they invested that money in this small business and they began to work and to try to, try to build that business. And, and, and in those days when they were struggling and, and really what we would consider poor, they were one of the most faithful families in this church as far as their giving. Week in and week out, regardless of what, you know, what had happened, they, they brought their tithe. Over time, this man's business grew into a very wealthy thing. And you know what happened? He quit giving. And when he was asked why he no longer gave as he had once given, he said, oh, I can't afford to give like that anymore. In other words, the amount that he knew he should give was so much larger than it used to be, he decided I can't afford to do this anymore. Again, that's not the way we should think. Our personal circumstances. Should not determine whether or not we give. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 of the churches of Macedonia. This is one of those cases where poor people who thought they were going to be left out of this offering that was being collected for the poor saints in Jerusalem begged to take part in the offering. They didn't want to be left out, they wanted to be involved. They loved those brothers and sisters in, in Jerusalem. And this is what he says of the churches in Macedonia. He said, their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their generosity. Now that doesn't even make sense to us, does it? Their deep poverty abounded in their riches, in the riches of their generosity. He says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Let me tell you something about the churches in Macedonia. The area of Macedonia had experienced years of civil war. And it had taken such a toll on the land that the emperor declared that area of the world to be a depleted area, and he said, we're no longer going to collect taxes from them. Now, this is a pagan emperor who was showing mercy on these poor Macedonians because they were so poor, he said, they don't have any money to give us in taxes. And yet those very people... Gave not only according to their ability but beyond their ability to the offering that was being given to the church in Jerusalem. Our personal circumstances are not an excuse for us not to give. Later in that same passage, Paul stresses that grace giving is a shared responsibility and that it's mutually beneficial. And what he basically says is this when God entrusts me with an abundance, I am to help to meet the needs of others. As a matter of fact, that's why God has entrusted me with an abundance. God has entrusted me with that abundance in order that I might help others who are in need. Because inevitably what's going to happen is that one day I'm going to be the one in need. And those people that were helped as I gave out of my abundance before, perhaps now God has blessed them. And they have an abundance in which they will in turn help to meet my needs. That's the way it's supposed to work in the church, a shared responsibility and a mutual benefit. So Paul says, on the first day of every week, each of you put something aside. Store it up as he may prosper. So the question is, how much should we give? And let me just say this. Giving should be proportionate. Store it up as he may prosper. Those words, store it up, again, I mentioned it a moment ago, means don't spend it. The reality is, it would be real easy for every one of us to spend the money that we should be bringing to the offering of church, right? I don't know about you, it's easy for me to spend money. And it's fun to spend money. I like to spend money. It would be real easy for me to spend the money that I should bring to the church. And, and you, you realize this a little bit. When you skip a week and then you double up your tithe the next week, that's a big check. Bigger than I'm used to writing. We realize how easy it is just to spend that money rather than to to give it. So those words, store it up, mean don't spend it. It means save it for the offering plate. So the question is, how much should we save? How much should we give? And again, notice that there's no specific amount mentioned. Only that one should give that your giving should be determined as he may prosper. So here's the the fundamental, the principle that we should give by. The amount that one gives to the Lord should be based on the amount that one has received from the Lord. So there you go. The amount that you give should be based on the amount that you have received. And by the way, the Lord knows how much he's given you. The reality is, I will never know who in this church actually ties and who doesn't. Because I don't know how much you make. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows what he's entrusted to you and how much you should be bringing back to him. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12, Paul says that one's giving should be according to what one has and not according to what he does not have so we give out of our abundance we give out of what the lord has prospered us we give from what the lord has given us so the question is and many ask this well what about the tithe aren't we supposed to tithe well under the old testament law the tithe was a tenth of one's income matter of fact it was a tenth of everything that came to you a tenth of your herds and flocks a tenth of your crops a tenth of whatever financial uh you know, whatever monies might come into you as a result of doing business, it was a tenth of everything. That's what the word tithe means. It means one-tenth. But you see, we are a new covenant community. And we don't give under the law. We give under grace. Paul refers to our giving as grace-giving, to a grace in which we are to excel. So what I would say to you is the tithe is a great place to start. But by all means... Don't feel like you have to stop there. By grace, the Lord blesses us. We are free to bless our church, to bless one another to whatever extent we determine. Uh, You give according to what you have and not according to what you, you don't have. We give according to grace or under grace. There are no limits for us. Tithe's a good place to start. And then the last thing I'll say is that our giving should be purposeful. Paul says if you'll do this, if you'll set aside on the first day of each week something, store it up as you may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul had a purpose for asking them to do this. There is a purpose in our giving and let me just give you a couple of them. Financial faithfulness on the part of every member of Calvary Hill would eliminate the need for ongoing pleas. You know, from time to time over the years, I've stood right here in this pulpit and I've extended a plea. I've said, hey, we're, we're in trouble. We need your help. I've sent letters home to, to you asking you to give, kind of laying out reasons why we, we needed you to do something above and beyond what you were currently doing. If every member of this church began to give in accordance with the word of God, there would be no further reason for any of those kinds of pleas. Every, knee would be, every, knee, every need would be met abundantly. Financial faithfulness on the part of every member of Calvary Hill would also ensure that the provision of resources needed to support current and future ministries and missions would always be there. Uh, we have ministries that need to be supported with your giving. We have missionaries who need to be supported, and they're supported through your faithful giving. Your giving, you can know it is for a, a, a grand purpose, a glorious purpose. Again, given to things that are eternal, the Proclamation of the gospel throughout the world, the support of those who proclaim the gospel throughout the world. Our giving, you can just know there's great purpose in our giving. You know, we've all heard that saying, you can't outgive God. You know that's true, right? I mean, you won't find that in scripture, not those words exactly, but, but it's true. That's a scriptural principle. You can't Outgive God in Luke chapter six verse thirty-eight. Jesus says it this way. He says, "Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, He will put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you." Now there's a there's a strong encouragement to give generously. Whatever measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. But the picture there is of the marketplace and of the baskets that people would carry uh, in order to to barter for goods. And often somebody would buy a certain amount of grain. They would trade what they had in their basket so that then in turn the, the, the grain purveyor would, would load their basket with grain. And, and what, what's being pictured here is this, this basket being filled with grain. And then just to make sure that there's, there's not any spaces left, it's shaken together, it's pressed down. And then it's added to to the point of overflowing. That's the way the Lord gives You know, we should never see God as as stingy. God gives to us in this immeasurable way. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will it be put into your lap? For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You and I can be fearless in our financial faithfulness because God has promised to meet our every need. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. And we can also know that in our giving, we will never be able to outgive Him. So this morning, I just want to pray with you, uh, encourage you, give in accordance with Scripture. You know, here's something that I've heard over the years, too. I've heard it from multiple people, people who, for whatever reason, have stopped giving. They've come to me and they've said, you know, I'd like to start giving again, but I feel like I owe the Lord so much. In other words, I owe so much, I have have not given in the past or for a period of time in the past like I should have. So, you know what? There's just no point in me starting now. Wrong. If you've not been giving, don't think that you've got to pay back everything that you should have given. If you can, have at it. Just start giving today. Honor the Lord with that which he has honored you with. That's how we give. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful today for your love and grace. Thankful, Father, for this great privilege, this great ministry that you have entrusted to us, this stewardship. Father, help us all to know that we are not just able to give. We are gifted to give. It is a privilege to give, to take part in the support of the church ministries of the church, the missionaries of the church, the members of the church. And Lord, to know that one day when it comes our time to be in need, because of financial faithfulness, the funds that will be there to help us will indeed be there. We thank you for these principles of giving. Help us to implement them into our lives today. And we ask you, Lord, just to bless the financial ministry of this church. Fill the offering plates to overflowing for your honor and your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.